It is finished. Jesus has conquered death. He's conquered the grave. Just thankful for that this morning. I love that song, man. It's one of my, uh, probably my, my most favorite um, worship songs. I think if we could sing that every Sunday, I'd be okay. <clears throat> um, so good morning. My name is Chris, and uh, just excited that you are here this morning and believe that God has something for you as we dive into the book of Isaiah um, over the course of these next five weeks. There are 66 books in the book of Isaiah, and to be honest with you, there is absolutely no way I can get through 66 books over the course of the next five weeks. So what we have actually given you as you have come in is we've given you a little bit of a reading plan, which you'll be ahead of the game today because I'm actually preaching on something that you'll be reading over the course uh, of this next week. Um, This morning, we're going to be looking at portions of uh, chapter 5 and then also reading through the whole chapter of uh, chapter 6. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, don't don't be too worried. Chapter 6 is only 13 verses, so we're not going to be here all afternoon reading through uh, Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was a major prophet. Um, He was a prophet to the nation of Israel for some 40 years, and that's why he's considered a major prophet, because he had a whole lot to say over the course of that 40 years of being a prophet. He is the, one of the prophets that is the most quoted uh, in the New Testament. The theme of the book of Isaiah is centered around God's judgment, but also his mercy. And so just kind of understanding that. Um, in the first 39 chapters, which I'm just going to be honest with you, Isaiah is going to be a challenge to read. Just being real honest with you, it's, it's going to be a challenge to read, and so you're going to have to, I always find that when I, when I start to struggle through a book, I just got to keep going, right? It's kind of like working out. You get to a point where you just want to stop, and you know if you can just get, get to the end. Now, but here's the thing, don't read it just to finish it, read it to be changed by it. Because I think that's the really important part for us to learn as we're reading through the Bible, which I hope that you're doing. You have some form or fashion or rhythm of reading through the Bible. It's really important not to finish it, but to be changed and to be transformed by it. The first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah focus on God's law and judgment because of the nation of Israel and because of Jerusalem and Judah's disobedience. So to be honest with you, the talk this morning is not going to be all that uplifting. It's not going to be all that encouraging for us, but it's for us to understand and to be transformed by what it is that God wants to say to us. Chapters 40 through 55 are actually refer to the coming of Jesus. Remember, this was a prophecy that was given some 500 years prior to Jesus even coming. And so Isaiah is prophesying about the coming Messiah, and that coming Messiah wouldn't happen for 500 plus years. And so just understand that. In chapters 56 through 66 is, is final judgment and restoration that God begins to help us understand. And Isaiah prophesies about, about the new heaven and the new earth. And so over the course of the next five weeks, what we'll do is we'll, we'll focus on chapter five, six, five and six this morning. And then we'll jump all the way to chapter 29. And then we're going to look at 40. We're going to look at 55. And then we're going to look at, uh, I believe it's book 66. It will be the 
last one that we actually get into. And so just in these first six, first six chapters, God begins to help us understand something about judgment and about his judgment and, and what Isaiah's responsibility and Isaiah's calling is, is to be a prophet to the nation of Israel. And to be honest with you, he's going to be bringing bad news that the people are not going to listen to. So God is essentially telling him, hey, Isaiah, I want you to go prophesy to this this group of people about all the bad things that are going to happen. But guess what? They're not going to listen. Wow. Sounds a lot like other people in our world today, you know, mainly our kids sometimes. All right. So in chapter four, uh, there's a reference to Jesus as the Messiah. Um, In chapter five, Isaiah, but just before this chapter 6, which is a calling, which is a vision that God gives to Isaiah, what God does is he actually puts some, some things in chapter 5 that I want us to see before we actually jump into chapter 6. In Isaiah chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, Woe to you who add house to house and join field to field till no space is left and you live alone. You live alone in the land. Now, it's really interesting. You're like, well, what does that mean? Essentially, what the prophet Isaiah was trying to tell the people was that they had actually gotten greedy, that they just wanted, and greed was beginning to settle in. Um, it had a lot to do with buying, with, uh, with having land and houses and all these kind of things and getting, getting involved in real estate. Real estate nowadays, you know, you probably wouldn't call it real estate back in biblical times. But there was this greed among the people that, that, that Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, was trying to help people understand that your greed is a problem. Wow, sounds a lot like today, right? Is greed a problem today? We don't like to admit it, right? But greed is a problem, all right? Uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 11. It says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning to run after their drinks, who stay up late at night till they are inflamed with wine. You're like, what, what is God talking about there? So essentially what the prophet Isaiah is saying in this moment is that there are people who work hard to party. Is that part of our culture today? Absolutely. People work hard so they can party hard, right? I think that's a saying. Work hard so you can party hard. I know you guys are like, man, this is D- Debbie Downer. Uh, verse 18. Woe to those who draw sin along with cords of deceit and wickedness as with ropes. Now, what what the prophet Isaiah is saying in this moment is that there are people in the culture who imagine what they do. They're imagining that what they do is really not sin. So they're like, oh, well, we're sinning, but as long as I imagine that it's not sin, then it's okay. Sounds pretty normal. Verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And so essentially what the prophet's saying here is we have become a culture that blur moral issues and excuse our sin. So we say that good is evil and that evil is good. 
And that, that is definitely what has become a part of our culture. Because one of the things I was talking about last week that it's really interesting how God's kind of been connecting the dots is that we must align our belief systems, our beliefs, and what we know to be true. We have to align them with Scripture. Otherwise, what we'll do is we'll call good evil and evil good. And that was what was happening in this culture. Again, uh, the prophet Isaiah is trying to prophesy these people. He's trying to give them warning signs of what's to come. And guess what? They're not listening. The last one in verse 21 says this. It says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. I think that's pretty obvious. There was this rejecting of godly wisdom that there were men and, and women in the culture who were trying to do things in their own wisdom and their own understanding instead of seeking God for that wisdom and that understanding. And so, so Isaiah is going through these things and this just before he's been given a vision of what he is going to do as he walks into the nation of Israel to Jerusalem and to Judea. God's giving them these warning signs, these flashing lights saying, you know, be careful. If you do these things, judgment will come. And guess what? They are a group of people who were disobedient. There was a very small remnant, a very small group of people who actually became obedient to the things that Isaiah was prophesying and that God had called them to do. But these were warning signs that were going off and they were totally rejecting these things. A few years ago on, on, uh, uh, the 4th of July, um, my daughter, Anna Kate, who's getting married in May to her fiance, my soon-to-be uh, son-in-law, is, uh, we went to, a couple years ago, went to 4th of July over in Carolina Beach. He, he lives over there with his mom and dad, and so we went over there because they have a little golf cart. We could get on the golf cart and drive out to the beach, and they didn't have to, you know, fight all the crowds for parking and all that kind of stuff. We're always looking for the easiest way out when it comes to crowds. So we drive over there, and we get on the golf cart, and it's me and Ashley and Eli and Anna Kate and our other daughter, Allie, are with us, and we drive out to the beach, and we didn't have room for Julian on, the, on his own golf cart, and, and so he gets out an electric skateboard. I didn't even know these things existed. It was awesome. And so it has like a little remote control. You just stand on it, and it just goes. I was like, this is awesome until you fall off of it. You get going too fast. Um, and so we go out there, we watch the fireworks, we get back in, everybody's leaving, everybody's leaving the beach, and we get back on the golf cart, and we're driving down, going back to uh, his house, you know, to get our car, and as we're going, there's people everywhere, and Anna Kay, she's just, she has one speed, like it's fast all the time, right? Which is really interesting, because when she got her license, she was like my grandmother driving. It's like, come on, we got to speed up, we're going to get run over, but when she got used to it, I mean, now she's just flying. So we're flying down through there, and all of a sudden, you know, there are people walking across the street. Well, there's this thing where flashing lights are going off, but the flashing lights weren't going off at the time, but there were still warning signs. We're coming up on it. We're flying up on it. We're thinking Anna Kate's going to stop, and it's not like she's not going to stop. She's not slowing down. And all of a sudden, we're like, Anna Kate, there's people there. And she slams on. Well, Julian was behind us on the skateboard. 
didn't realize that we were going to be slamming on brakes. And so he starts, he's like, sees us start slowing down. He's like trying to, because this thing has no brake, right? It has no brake. And so he's trying to slow, he's trying to slow this thing down. And all of a sudden he gets right up on us. And before he, he just rams right into us, he just bails out. And then he goes rolling like, I don't know how many times he rolled and about wrapped himself around the telephone pole. But I thought about that. The warning signs were there, but she just didn't see them. And I believe if we're being really honest in today's society, the warning signs are there. The warning signs are there for us as believers. The warning signs are there for us as a church. The warning signs are there for the world. And guess what? We're not paying attention. They're going off, I think, as, as bold as they possibly can. There are warning signs that are going. It, it also says in Scripture that the earth groans when the coming of the Lord is not far away. And we see that happening with earthquakes and with natural disasters and all these kinds of things. They're warning signs. I believe that God's trying to get our attention that the days are few, the days are short, the days are numbered, and that he's coming and we better be paying attention. And what, what Isaiah was saying to the nation, of, to, to Jerusalem and to, to Judea in this moment, that God was sending him to say, hey, you better wake up. The warning signs are there, but God knew, listen, God knew that they would not pay attention. And what Isaiah was preparing them for was that the Babylonians and the Assyrians were going to come into Jerusalem and Judea, and they were going to totally destroy everything. And there would only be a small remnant, a tenth of the remnant of Jerusalem and Judea that would actually be left and have to go into exile. But God had asked the people to do something and they had chosen to not do it. And so because of that, destruction would come. You see, well, I, I think what we don't like a lot of times in our culture is we like, the, we like the good God, the good Jesus. We like the one who answers prayer and does things for us. But do you realize that there is a God who is a God of justice? He asks us to do one thing and then gives us the choice and the option to either do it or not to do it. And when we don't do it, then there's consequences to the things that we don't do that he's asked us to do. And so then after this warning, these warning signs, God gives Isaiah this vision in chapter, chapter 6. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, which King Uzziah was one of the most, um, one of the kings that followed God. He was, uh, he had a heart for the things of God. And so he had died. And after his death, the uh, people of Jerusalem and Judea decided that they want, didn't want anything to do with that anymore. He said, I saw the Lord high and exalted. His commentaries believe that he, they used the king Uzziah to kind of give us a time frame for when this transpired. Um, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne, the train of his robe. Again, this is a vision, right? This is a vision that Isaiah is having 
saw the train of his robe filled his the train of his robe filled the temple above him were seraphim which uh, each with six wings with two wings they covered their faces and with two they covered their feet and with two they were flying and they were calling to one another holy 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 is the lord almighty the whole earth is full of his glory At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. This is Isaiah. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues, with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. He said, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving, make the hearts of these people calloused, make their heart, their ears dull and close their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. What God's referring to in that portion of the scripture is that he had tried, there were warnings that he had given and the people had hardened their heart toward the things of God. And so he gave them over to what they wanted. He said, then I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the city, cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and the oak leaf stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. And here's what I believe, that a lot of times God brings us to the end of our self and total destruction he lets us come to a place in our life where we realize we absolutely have nothing else he will let us destroy ourself if that's what we long for and so what can, what, can, what can we learn from Isaiah? Well, first, I think we see as, we, as a part of Isaiah's story this morning, a part of this vision is this, that Isaiah sees God's holiness. He sees God for who he really is. It's in this moment, in this vision where he sees God. He sees the seraphim. He sees them saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's, it's in, in this moment, I think a lot of times, when God brings us to the end of ourself, hopefully is when, and, and when God is trying to get our attention, that we finally begin to wake up and see God for who he really is. Because even in this, although God brought destruction to the, to the nation of Israel, to Jerusalem and Ju- Judea, although he brought destruction, he still did it with grace and mercy and love. So we see God's holiness 
in this. And I think one of the things that maybe this is a reminder to this morning is that as followers of Jesus and as a church that belongs to Jesus, we need to be reminded that we need to reclaim reverence. The reverence of a holy God. Some commentators believe that the reason that the seraphim said holy, holy, holy is because this is one of the first, um, first uh, things that points to the Father, the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that the seraphim is saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the three in one. But maybe it's a reminder to us this morning through the vision that God gave to the prophet Isaiah that is a recall, a reclaim for the church, for us as believers to the reverence and the holiness of God. To the fear of God. And when I say fear, I don't mean scared of God. I meant this holy fear. Remember when your dad sometimes would say, boy, if you don't do something... There was a fear, not, I mean, yeah, there was some scared parts to it, <laughs> right? But mostly I believe that a lot of times that's, that was just one of the ways, because I've done it to my kids too, is that you longed for this respect as your father in who he is. And I believe what God's calling Isaiah, saying to Isaiah the prophet, and what he's saying to us today is reclaim reverence. See God for his holiness. And so maybe we need to say, God, how can we see? Because in this moment, in this vision, God is, I mean, Isaiah is seeing in his vision the holiness of God. How reverent are we as a church, as followers of Jesus? Do we hold on to the reverence of God or do we just take it for granted? Do we take for granted who he is? Do we take for granted what he sent his son Jesus to do on the cross? Do we take for granted that he, Jesus ascended to heaven and now he sends his Holy Spirit to live in us? Do we take that for granted? It's a return to reverence. The second thing I think we see is Isaiah becomes aware of his own brokenness. When things start to fall apart is when I think we truly begin to see who we really are. A few years ago, probably now back in 2005, I can remember a time I was, pa I was a youth pastor at a church and there was a friend of mine that was on staff, a pastor friend of mine and God was just really dealing with me on this issue in my life and, and I went to this pastor on staff and I just said, hey man, I gotta tell you something. I've, I've never told anybody. It was something that I had been dealing with since I was a child and I just, I just said, hey man, I, I need your help. Um, he could have easily fired me in that moment. And instead, he, with grace and mercy, he loved me. But here's what God did. In that moment where I probably felt at one of my lowest moments, what God did was he started 
to show me who I really, really was in him, not who I was, but who I really was in him. And it's in those moments is when we start to begin to see transformation actually take, take, take happen in our life, this transformation. You see, because as individuals, what most of the time we do is we take the bad stuff in our life and we just stuff it and we pack it and we pack it because we don't want to unpack it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to admit because admitting it means that we're weak. And in a group this size, I would dare say there's probably a lot of us in here who have taken stuff in our lives and we've just stuffed it and we've just stuffed it and we just stuffed it. Because what did Isaiah say? Isaiah said, woe is me. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. He, in that moment, not only was he seeing God for his holiness and his reverence, but what God was doing is he was saying, this is who you are. This is, this is, he, he began to show himself, but this is not who you truly are. This is who you are right now, but this is who I have created you to be. And so Isaiah becomes aware of his brokenness. Because God was revealing to him in that moment what he was doing and that he was a man of unclean lips. But it's in those moments when God begins to show us those things, that's when transformation begins to change. If we'll just trust God through the process. You see, what did he do? The vision he saw was he saw a seraphim who flew over, picked up a picked up a coal with some tongs and then flew over and he touched his lips because he said, I am a man of unclean lips. And he took that burning coal and he stuck it to his mouth because burning like that is a sign of purification. And so all of a sudden, God's, God, this is a vision he'd given to Isaiah and God began the purification. He began the transformation within Isaiah. And what I find is really interesting is probably for all of us, if somebody were to take a burning coal and stick it to our lips, we're not going to focus on, uh, we're not going to focus on the purification process. We're going to say, this sucks. (laughs) Get that out of my mouth. But see, I think this is a reminder that what God does to purify us is he actually brings pain into our life to help us become, to see who he is and to become who he created us to be through a purification process. You see, it's really interesting because this symbol of the seraphim bringing the coal and touching the lips in this purification process, this atonement was also, this is also a reflection of what's to come through the death of Jesus. Because by the death of Jesus, we were atoned for and then we are being transformed because, and forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. But I find it interesting because he says, woe is me, a man of unclean lips. I am ruined. But then he goes a little farther and he says, but I live among a people 
of unclean lips. And I think what we see in that moment is we see Isaiah's burden for the people around him. Not only am I a person of unclean lips, but God, the people around me. This is not in an arrogant way, because here's what I'll say. We're really good. A lot of times Christians are really good at pointing out how bad other people are. And the church is well known for its hypocrisy and how, how really good we are at saying, well, look at what she did and look at what he's doing and blah, 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 blah. And what we, for, what we fail to remember is that God sees their heart, not their outside behavior. And so I believe what's happening is God's not only purifying Isaiah for his own brokenness and his own you know, the thing in his unclean lips. But what God's beginning to do is help Isaiah see the brokenness of other people. And so maybe we need to need the reminder as well is that there are other people that we come in contact with every single day. And instead of pointing the finger, we ask God to heal them. God, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And then what does he say? And so then Isaiah says, and, God, and then God says to Isaiah, so who, who will go for us? You realize he didn't say who will go for me. He said who will go for us, meaning Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Who, who's going to go for us? And what did Isaiah say? Isaiah said, here am I. Send me. So in the last part, we see that Isaiah steps into the calling in which God had called him to. Isaiah was getting ready to be sent by God to a group of people who would not pay attention. They would not see the warning signs. They would not listen. And because of that, they would end up in destruction. But Isaiah still stepped into his calling and did what God asked him to do. This was God's commissioning of Isaiah. And my question is, are we... If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, if you're a disciple of Jesus, are you stepping into the very calling that God has placed on you? No, you may never be a prophet like Isaiah that's called to the nation of Israel. You probably could run out onto Village Road and start screaming at people and saying a whole lot of things about the Bible. And to be honest with you, people probably aren't going to pay any attention to you. But it doesn't mean that God can't use you right where you are. Ben, you guys can go ahead and come on back up. You see, for most of us, God's calling is not this dramatic, this dramatic new life of extraordinary sacrifice. Rather, God's call is to live out our faith in our daily work, and in our families, in our community. We're called to serve God through the ordinary lives that we live every single day. Our calling is to see what we do each day as God's work. Whatever the work, whether it's running a company or running a shop or running a restaurant or remodeling a house or being a mom or teaching in a public school or working as a nurse at the hospital, it's important to see our work as an expression of our faith. You see, in our, in our 
work. We serve God by serving others. You see, that awareness changes the way that we do our work and can transform a workplace, a family, a church, or a community. But I have three questions that I want to leave you with this morning. The first one is this, what are the warning signs? I believe God's constantly trying to get our attention. There are flashers going on. God's been trying to get your attention. There have been some warning signs out there and what you've chosen to do is you've chosen to ignore them to this point. Maybe this morning you've never given your life to Christ and maybe this morning God's been trying to get your attention just to say yes to him. Maybe there's a behavior in your life that doesn't line up with the word of God this morning. Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's drunkenness. Maybe it's reverence for God himself. Maybe it's some of those woes that Isaiah even talked about. And God's trying to get your attention and you're just choosing to ignore him. Maybe you, you just have to surrender to God this morning. You haven't surrendered to him. You haven't surrendered your will and you've been walking in disobedience. And maybe this morning God's trying to get your attention saying, hey, I just want you to walk in obedience to what I'm asking you to do. What I love is that you don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. To be honest with you, you can't clean yourself up anyway. The transformation happens when we start to let go and let God begin to change our life. And say, God, I'm going to trust you. Are you walking in his calling? Is your life, are you allowing the very things that you do to be a reflection of Jesus? Most of you won't be called to be a pastor. Thank God. You won't be called to something major. Maybe some, you won't be called to be a missionary, okay? I'll put you at ease. God's probably not going to call you to be a missionary. But he might. But he's probably not. Because he won't call you to be a missionary somewhere else until he realizes that you can actually fulfill the mission that you're in right now. When I was, when I was 17, the Lord said, okay, Chris, I want you to go be a pastor. And I'm like, uh, no thanks. God's like, no, I want you to go be a pastor. And I said, okay. Tried to run from it for a few years, but God wouldn't let me. And probably that running was the worst part of my life. Well, there are other parts that have been pretty bad, but that was a pretty bad part too. Will you step into your calling this morning? Let's pray. Yeah, buddy. right our daughter has been having some pain the last couple days has a CT scan tomorrow 
So if you guys would pray for Allie, that'd be awesome. Um, will you close your eyes with me for just a moment? I want to open up the front and I want you to use this as a time to one, either bring reverence to God. Maybe you just want to come up and praise Him and worship Him. Maybe you just need to get out of your seat. Maybe you need to say, God, I realize that you've been trying to get my attention, that the warning signs are there. That there's some stuff in my life, there's some baggage in my life, maybe some stuff that, from the past that I haven't let go of. And right now, I just need to release it to you. Maybe you want to come up and say, God, I just, I want to step into the calling that you have for me. I don't know what that is, but I want to be obedient to that. Or you just want to pray. We're going to sing a song called Place of Freedom. And that's what I truly believe that this place is. It's a place of freedom and transformation if we'll just let God do what he wants to do.